Welcome to the first episode of a Healthy Control Podcast. I am so excited to be here and thank you so much for showing up as well. I hope we can learn a lot through this journey together. And in this journey, what the heck does the title mean? Let's start with that. What is a healthy control? So it's a double meaning. In research, you have your subject group and you have your control group. Now, the subject group is a group you're manipulating and so you're, you're doing something in that group to see what happens. And oftentimes, your control group has you know nothing wrong with them. They maybe don't have um, the given disease you're looking at or condition or you're not enforcing anything on them. You're just seeing what would happen if nothing was going on. And that's where I want you to be. I want you to be a healthy control. I want you to be on the control side of the experiments where we don't have to figure out, do we need to do X, Y, or Z to get this person healthy again? Because you're already there. You are healthy, which leads to the second part of this, a healthy control. I want you to have control of your health not health control of you. I want you to live such a fun, exciting life because you're able to do everything you want to do because you're not being held back by some health condition. I don't want you sitting on the park bench not being able to play with your kids or grandkids because you're too tired or you just can't get up and go do it. I don't want you missing out on vacations because it's going to be too much of a hassle to figure out how you can get around or trying to plan the day so you can get multiple sitting breaks and naps in. I want you to live such a fun, fulfilled life out there in the world healthy. In addition to that too, I want you to take control of your health and not let health take control of you. Likewise, have you ever gone out to dinner with a friend and, well actually let's back that up, You try to go to dinner with a friend, but they're on a diet and they just can't go. They can't figure out what to eat at this given restaurant that's going to fit inside their super restrictive diet, yada, yada. It's just just out of their control. Health is trying to take control of them or their diet is controlling them. They're not controlling their diet. That's not what we want. We want balance. We want to be able to figure out how I can go to that restaurant and eat what I want to eat within my diet and within my health constraints. I want you to control your health and not health control you. Now, what makes this podcast unique? I like to think I'm not just full of it. I'm not full of BS. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm not trying to do anything but become healthier myself and help you become healthier. I enjoy reading research. It is a nerdy hobbit of mine, and I also enjoy just taking these massive deep dives and trying to learn as much as I can about a subject, and that's that's where this comes in. I'm going to be sharing all this information I've learned on all these different topics with you, and it's much more than me just reading a couple of blogs that some no-name person wrote somewhere and just hoped to get some clicks on. This is real research. In case you don't believe me, you can always find that research down in the show description. It will always be available to you. That way you can read it as well if you want to, and you don't just have to take my word for it. So I wanted this first episode to be something extremely applicable, something that you've probably heard a lot and you just didn't know it. And I'm sorry, but after this episode, you might get a little ticked off when you hear all the marketing stuff that tries to use this ploy. Because honestly, this is the biggest load of BS that marketing will try to throw at you. And unfortunately, it works. And what is that? It's fat burning. Fat burn versus fat loss. There's a difference. There is a huge difference between burning fat and losing fat. 
burning fat. Let's start with there because that's what that's what the marketing is trying to sell you on. What does it actually mean? What does that look like? So I'm going to ask you, when you think or when you hear of burning fat, what do you think of? Are you thinking about a smaller waistline or six pack, maybe more defined arms or a better back? Maybe it's your beach body ready. Not so fast, as Lee Corsa would say. Burning fat just means that we're utilizing fat as our main fuel source, or that fat is being used for energy. We actually burn fat or utilize fat throughout the entire day for energy. Particularly when we do low to moderate intensity exercises, fat is a primary fuel source for that. When we spike our intensity or doing a HIIT workout or, uh, I don't know, chasing your two-year-old down the driveway so they don't run to the road, that's going to take carbohydrates instead. If you've ever been on a treadmill... Most of them have something like a a chart on them or maybe even like different programs. And one might even say fat burning zone. All that simply means is that your heart rate is on the lower end, maybe 60 to 70% of your max heart rate. Are you burning fat in that zone? Yeah. Are you burning fat if you go more intense? Yeah, you sure are. It's not like once you spike your heart rate, all of a sudden you stop burning fat. It's just carbohydrates are used more than fats are. So I think it's most effective if we just ditch the phrase burning fat. Just remove it from your mind. What should we replace it with? Utilizing fat, because that's all we're doing. We're just utilizing fat within our fat cells for energy. We're going to take the next couple minutes here just to get a little sciency, just kind of explain what that actually means to use fat for the fuel source. Uh, But I promise with all the science I'm going to give you, I'm going to try to keep it light. I'm going to try to keep it digestible. I want to keep it at a level so you can actually go and tell someone, hey, I know how fat is used or I know about X, Y, or Z and you can explain it to them because I truly believe it, it does absolutely no good for me to say, hey, we use fat to for energy um, and please believe me, let's move on. No, I want you to be equipped with the knowledge here, but you know, I'm not handing out any PhDs or MDs, so we're not trying to get that deep into things. So here's some little bit of science. Fat is stored within the fat cells or adipose tissue. And then when you're actually needing it, let's say you're, I don't know, mowing the yard, listening to a podcast, or I don't know, are you sweeping or vacuuming or whatever you're doing right now? If you're up and moving, your muscles are going to need that energy. Fat is released from the fat cell or the adipose tissue into the bloodstream. From there, it's transported to wherever it's actually needed to. So we'll say muscles in this case. And then by a process called lipolysis or splitting of the fat cells, Each triglycerol is split into glycerol and free fatty acids. Free fatty acids get inside the mitochondria. And say it with me, what the heck does mitochondria do? It's a powerhouse of the cell. Thank you, Mr. Jones from science way back in the day. And eventually, it produces ATP, which is energy. That is essentially the fastest, lightest way we can explain how we use fat for energy. It's stored in tissues whenever it's needed for digestion or muscles moves through the bloodstream, gets split up into its components, and then is uh, transfigured into ATP. Which, all that sounds cool, but that's just a normal process of daily life, and we're not actually losing any fat. We're just utilizing it. But let's talk about some of the claims that you may have heard of different things that help you to burn fat more. First thing that comes to mind is fasted cardio. I think this was quite the rage a couple years ago, but fasted cardio will help you burn more fat than if you did cardio after you ate or later on in the day. Well, it turns out if you burn more fat through fasted cardio, you know, early in the day, by the end of the day, it doesn't matter because your body 
recognized what was going on, and it actually switched its fuel source later in the day. So by the time you go to bed, it's completely negligible whether you did fasted cardio or non-fasted cardio. So that's what I want you to always think about when someone says, hey, this thing or this product or yada yada helps you burn more fat. First of all, we're just utilizing fat. Secondly, what are they not telling me? What, what, what are they cherry picking from this research? And in this case, it's that later in the day, you burn less fat than if you did non-fasted cardio. Now, the last point that I want to touch on with burning fat is ketogenic diet will burn more fat than a balanced diet or your standard diet. We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to see, is that actually true? I'm going to tell you a little story here to answer this question. So a few months ago, my wife and I were watching TV, and there's a gentleman on there who wanted to lose some body fat. So he went to this clinic, and they they had him breathe into this device. And at that time, it said that he was... He was burning more carbs throughout the day than he was fat, and that's why he can't lose weight. So their solution was to switch him to a ketogenic or a low-carb diet. That way, he would now be burning more fat throughout the day. I can guarantee, as close as I can, that if he would have done just a normal diet at the exact same calorie amount as a ketogenic diet that he went on, he would have lost the same amount of weight. Because it's not about how much fat you burn throughout the day. It's about how much fat you lose throughout the day. So I absolutely love analogies because I think we can all relate and picture them much better than we can of, you know, things going on within the body. So let's imagine that you're sitting around a bonfire and your fire burns either logs or coal. And it only takes either four logs or four coals or, you know, combination up to four. So day one, you put four pieces of logs on the fire and it burns it completely cool next day you put on five logs and it still only burns four so now you have one more log left over the next day you play around some coal and you do three pieces of coal one piece of log and it all gets burned completely and then finally you do two pieces of coal one piece of log and holy crap by 5 p.m you're out of fire Your fire is gone, so you go to your storage, you grab another log, you throw it on the fire, and that lasts you through the rest of the day. This is pretty much, at the most simplified level, how the body works in terms of burning fat or carbs. Our body's a fire, the logs are fat, and the coals are carbs. Whatever you feed into that fire is what it's going to burn. If you give it only fat or only logs, guess what? It only burns fat or logs. If you give it both, it will utilize both. And if you don't give it enough fuel for the day, it goes into storage and finds another log. So please, please listen closely to this message. Burning fat does not equate to losing fat. Because if all you ate was fat, all you will burn is fat. And unless you're in a calorie deficit, you will not lose any fat. So where does that leave fat loss? Well, like I just said, you have to be in a calorie deficit. This is because of a thing called energy balance. Your body needs X amount of energy per day to operate, and you give it Y amount of energy. And that energy is calories. Calorie is just a unit of energy. Just like a foot is a measurement of distance or pounds is a measurement of weight, 
calories is just a measurement of energy. So if anyone ever says to you, not all calories are created equal, just walk away. If you're not in a calorie deficit, you will not lose body fat. If you're not in a surplus of calories, it's going to be very difficult to gain muscle and body fat. So what actually is a calorie? Like I said, it's a unit of energy. And the very um, where it came from is that it's the amount of heat required to raise one gram of water, one degree Celsius at one standard atmosphere level, which that's really just a fun fact. Hopefully it's on Jeopardy or something, but you just store it away. What really matters, especially if you're trying to lose body fat, is that 3,500 calories equates to one pound of fat. And I think what's even more important is not knowing necessarily that, but let's say you wake up one day and you gain two pounds overnight. It's like, holy crap, my world's ending, nothing I'm doing is working, I should just give up. Well, ask yourself this, did you eat in excess of 7,000 calories yesterday? So not just 7,000, but 7,000 plus your maintenance calories. So we're probably talking nine to 10,000 calories. Did you eat nine to 10,000 calories yesterday? If I'm remembering correctly, that would be about 30 slices of a Costco pizza. Did you have 30 slices of pizza yesterday? Probably not. The much more likely answer is that you ate later in the day, so your body is holding on to that food content, or maybe you had a high-carb meal, so now your body is holding on to glycogen and water, which can add some weight onto you, but it's not body fat. It's not. This is one thing I tell people all the time is like, realize what's going on and that this scale, just because it goes up or down, doesn't mean you lost fat or not. Heck, you can go on the scale right now, go drink 16 ounces of water and head back onto the scale and you're going to gain about a pound. Is that fat? No, it's literally just water. So knowing that 3,500 calories equals one pound of fat can give you confidence that I'm still on track. I'm still doing the right thing because I did not overeat that massive amount yesterday. And this is where knowledge is so powerful. Let's answer the big question now. The other half of this podcast, how do we lose fat? I've already danced around the answer a little bit, but we're going to put this straight up out there. First of all, it's scientifically very simple, but emotionally, psychologically, socially, economically, it's much more difficult. Let's go back to our example from earlier. We burn X amount of calories per day and we consume Y amount of calories. The difference will be how much weight you gain or lose. Now, how do we actually measure this? Well, it is quite simple. There's a lot of tracking apps out there to track how many calories you're consuming. You can even use pen and paper. Yeah, old school. You can use other apps that are out there. There's plenty of them. Find your favorite, stick with it. So we know how many calories we're consuming. How many calories are we burning per day? Let's just skip that for a second. And then our difference. How much weight are we gaining or losing? Now, I just talked about how it's you know not easy to determine your weight loss or gain per day because water, salt, glycogen, you know those types of daily fluctuations. So in order to really negate all those fluctuations, here's what I do. I wake up every morning and I go to the bathroom. Then I weigh in. Every single day, I weigh in. I know this causes anxiety for a ton of people, and I'm not going to discount that. The scale can be an extremely powerful thing, but just stick with me for a second here. Wake up, bathroom, weigh in. You have seven 
days of information. And that is so much more powerful than weighing in once per week. Here's why. Every time you weigh in, your weight's naturally going to go up or down a little bit. It very rarely will stay the same. But when we can combine seven days of data into one, when we take the average of all seven days, that negates all those little ups and little downs and shows you a, a better picture. Because when you do that week after week after week, you get this trend line of what your weight is actually doing, and it ignores all those little spikes. So if you want your weight to go down after a couple weeks, you should see that weight starting to trend down. If you want your weight to go up, maybe you're trying to gain some muscle, you should see that trend line going up. But day after day, week after week, weigh in. And what I have found too is that those people who are emotionally affected by the scale, they can almost reverse that adverse reaction to the scale because it just becomes part of their day. It doesn't hold this huge meaning like it used to because eh, it went up today, but maybe tomorrow will go back down. Whereas when you weigh in once a week, think about how much work you just put in for seven days and then the scale went up by half a pound and you feel devastated. It's awful. But maybe week one was, I don't know, one of those days where your weight was a little bit lower than normal. And maybe week two, it was a day where your weight was a little bit higher than normal. And now all you know is that you went up half a pound, but in reality, you might have actually lost half a pound or more, but you missed out on all that other data. So now you just don't know. I am a huge proponent of mental health. So if the scale and weighing in is something that truly affects you to a degree where it's altering your day, you're thinking about it all day, and you just can't get over it. First of all, I think you should go get some professional help because I think therapy can help all of us. And secondly, work out a plan on how you can track your progress. And maybe you're going to track your progress another way that doesn't involve the scale, such as how much energy did I have today? Or are my clothes fitting better? Maybe you could take some body measurements and see if it's going down or not. There's other ways to measure progress besides the scale. Just personally, I like the scale the best, but that's just me. Do what works for you and what allows you to stay on track with your goals. So earlier we, we talked about consume X amount of calories or track how many calories you consume. I said, let's skip how many calories we burn and then we can figure out our weight loss difference. The reason I don't care how many calories you burn is because it honestly does not matter. If you know how much you eat and you see the difference of the scale, all you have to do is manipulate how much you're eating. Yes, you could be more active. You could try to walk more. You could try to exercise more. But at the end of the day, that's only a couple extra hundred calories. And especially if you're eating a slice of Costco pizza that's like 700 calories, it's going to be really hard to make up with that for exercise. Manipulating your food or trying to out-exercise or out-move a bad diet can be impossible. We know 3,500 calories is a pound of fat. We can see that you ate 2,000 calories a day. And if you lost one pound of fat in the week, that means you were in a deficit of 3,500 calories. Divide that by seven, because there's seven days in a week, and that means that each day you're in a 500 calorie deficit, which is a very healthy place to be when you're trying to lose fat. The takeaway is weigh yourself daily, track how much you're eating, and manipulate your food intake depending on your weight difference week after week. Now, there is one more thing we need to touch on with losing body fat, and that is metabolic adaptation. 
What this means is our body is trying to survive. That's the only goal in life we have that our bodies have is to survive. So when our bodies are getting less energy or less calories than normal, it's going to slow down. Think about this as, I don't know, 10,000 years ago when we were just hunters and gatherers roaming the land looking for food. And if our bodies did not get enough food that day, it wasn't because we were on a diet or restricting ourselves naturally. It's because there was no food around. So in order to survive, our body had to adapt our metabolism. Our body had to slow down its metabolism. That way we didn't starve to death. Now in this day and age, our body has no idea that we're actually restricting our calories on our own accord, but it's still the same principle to our bodies. Not enough energy, not enough food coming in. We're going to lower the metabolism. So as you go on the journey of losing weight, it does become harder and harder because your body slows down a bit. Your metabolism is going to try to save you and it's going to slow down a little bit so you stop losing as much fat. And now you can keep lowering your food intake to stay below that, which not always the best idea. There's other things like diet breaks or maintenance phases that are extremely beneficial. And if you want to know more about that, let me know. I'd be happy to talk about that. Let's do a small recap, okay? So we know burning fat just means we're utilizing fat. We know to lose fat, we need to be in a calorie deficit. So what diet sets you up best for success? Should you do keto, vegan, Mediterranean, standard American diet, which is ironically abbreviated as SAD? What about paleo or carnivore or vegetarian, intermittent fasting, which... Sidebar, I don't consider intermittent fasting a diet. It's more of a um, eat at this time, but not these foods. So it can be combined with anything else. But what diet should you follow? Strictly in regards to weight loss, it doesn't matter. It truly does not matter because all these diets can work if it puts you in a calorie deficit and allows you to lose body fat. This is another place where, candidly, I see people go wrong They'll talk about how they ate clean, they tried paleo, they tried going vegetarian, they tried blah, 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 blah. And then I ask them one simple question. How many calories were you eating on those diets? Oh, I have no idea. That's why it didn't work. Now, not all diets are created equally. Not all are as easy to pull off as others. There's even the MEPA diet, which is the Mediterranean eating pattern for Americans, which just kind of goes to show that, you know, that diet in particular is not necessarily easy to do depending on where you live, although it is a great diet. Myself, I live in the Midwest. There's not a whole lot of fresh fish around that I can easily follow the Mediterranean diet. So pick a diet that is close or one that you can easily adapt your life to. If you absolutely love steak and beef, a vegan diet's probably not going to be sustainable for you. The diet that will work best for you is the one that you can adhere to. And you're going to adhere to the one that most closely matches your food preferences. I truly think just in the broad picture, if we stopped focusing so much on which foods actually matter more than the others and just focus on portion control, obesity rates would significantly drop. A little bit of a tease here. There's an upcoming episode all about cholesterol. And yes, there are certain foods that will help lower cholesterol. So I'm not saying that all foods are created equal or, you know, screw the food, just focus solely on the calories, but just the grand scheme of things, portion control goes such a long way. 
I also think this is a reason why yo-yo dieting is so prevalent in our country. How many people here have ever done a diet that was, you know, maybe four weeks, 90 days, six months, whatever it was, and they followed whatever they did and they lost weight and then they stopped that diet and then they gained the weight back. The reason is you followed that diet, you probably ate less calories, you probably even felt better doing that diet, life got in the way, and then you went back to your old habits. Yes, I am making assumptions here. That doesn't happen for everybody, but it happens more times than not. And the reason is because you did that diet, but you did not adapt your lifestyle to that diet. I can't remember where I heard this, but it was a while ago. And they said, if you do a diet, if you want to lose weight, you essentially have to assume a new identity of who you're going to be. There's you at this current weight, and then there's you at this new weight. And you at this new weight lives a little bit differently than you at that current weight did. Maybe you at this new weight will park in the back of the parking lot so you can walk that much more. Maybe you at this new weight enjoys going on hikes or going outside and playing or going to the park with your kids or grandkids. Whereas you on the old way, the old you, sat around, watched TV a lot more, or was on social media scrolling endlessly. You have to adapt a new lifestyle, a new you, when you pick a diet, when you go on a diet plan. And these 90-day, these 120-day, these four-week plans, that's a great start, but you have to keep going. Well, would you look at that? We officially made it through the first episode. I am beyond thankful for you and spending your time with me. And, you know, we got through the first episode. Now, I am completely open to feedback. And I, man, I hope I do hear from some of you guys the goods, the bads, and what you want to hear, especially things, topics that you want to know more about. So you can find me at YouTube at The Healthy Control. You can email me at thehealthycontrol at gmail.com. I hope to hear from you guys soon. Now, if you're here at the launch, if this episode just launched, there's actually two more episodes that are already out, ready for you to listen to. If you're joining us you know, down the road in the future, well, enjoy the ride. We've got many more episodes for you to enjoy. Hope you all take care, and I'll see you on the next one.